Thank you for joining us. You're listening to a message from Doxa Church's Identity Series. In this series, we're learning about our baptismal identity as family, servants, and missionaries. At Doxa, we believe we're called to love one another like family, serve one another as Christ did, and to bear witness to the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. For more resources, please visit doxa-church.com. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. How are we all doing? Good? Good. All right. Well, I am Jeff, uh, one of the elders here who gives time to preaching and teaching. So it's good to be with you and get to share in this short series about our identity in Christ. Uh, I want to, before we dive into the text, I would like to pray, especially in light of the weekend and celebration of tomorrow, Martin Luther King Day. So why don't we stop and pray? Father, we come to you and we come to you because you are the one who has given us life. You knit us together in our mother's womb. You designed us all unique and beautiful displays of your multifaceted glory. Every man and woman, young and old, we know is an image bearer of you. And that means every race, every ethnicity, We thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to display your glory in diversity. And we thank you for Martin Luther King and others like him who have given their lives to fight for a message of treating everyone as image bearers who deserve dignity and respect. We pray for the world we live in. We desperately need your help. We have fallen short. We have failed to love like you love us. We ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would help us. And tomorrow as we remember, we pray that you would help us to be motivated by your grace and your love to love others this year. We want to do this because it glorifies you. It tells the truth about what you're like. And so help us. And as we open your word, we pray you would speak to us about what it looks like to really love one another as family, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of our race, we want to love like you love us. So help us to do that in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I encouraged us to consider what we're gonna own in 2018 in regards to our personal discipleship and our common or collective discipleship of other people. Uh, Over the next three weeks, today and the next two messages, I want you just to keep asking, God, what do you want me to own? What do you want me to take responsibility for? And at the end 
on the last Sunday of January, we're going to have all of you that are, that are with us take a moment and just write down what is it that you believe God is calling you to take responsibility for as a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples of Jesus. If you're new here, we're walking through what we believe are the foundational identities of who God's people are as expressed in our baptism. We baptize in the name of the Father because we believe that we are now dearly loved children of God through what Jesus has done. We baptize in the name of the Son because Jesus came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many and therefore he now as our king uh, makes us his servants. We now serve the world as though we're serving Jesus. Everything we do, we do it for his glory and fame. So we're servants, family, servants. And then we baptize in the name of the Holy Spirit because the same spirit that was on Jesus and empowered and filled Jesus for all of his earthly ministry is now on those of us who have come to be born again by the Spirit of God. And so therefore we believe we are also missionaries. Baptized in the name of the Father, family, Son, servants, Holy Spirit, missionaries. So I'm going to talk through the identity of family today. And I know as I even say that, that's a mixed bag. For some of you, the concept of family is not a good one. When I say the word father, that doesn't bring up necessarily good, good thoughts or emotions, maybe for some of you. And at others, it's a great thing. Great family, great father, you know, as you think about your parents, great parents. Um, but I want to encourage us to let Jesus redefine family for us. Let him redeem family for us. Let what he did and what he said reshape what family is meant to be. And family, this concept of family has been with us since the very beginning. When God created the very first humans, Adam and Eve, his intent was that they would be a family for his glory, that they would love one another and love the world as a way of expressing what God is like, that his love would be seen through them. And as we know, they fell short of that, rebelled against God, and that was the very first broken family. And it got passed on from generation to generation to generation. God was not content to let that continue, so he called a person named Abraham, originally Abram, changed his name to Abraham because he said, you will be the father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. And God then blessed him, um, developed a family through him called the Israelites. They were meant to be a people set apart for God's purposes on the earth to display what God is like. And the way that they would love other people would be a picture of how God has loved them. And that's what he kept saying to them, that what I did with you, I want you now to do to the, the sojourner and the widow and the orphan and the stranger in your midst. As I loved you, you now are to love them. And every time they failed to love like God did, he would remind them of what he did and how he loved them and how that should change the way they love others. In a sense, he walked through those four questions we regularly walk through as a church. Who is God? What has he done? Who are we as a result? And then how do we live? And so God continued to remind them who he was and what he did to deliver them and make them his people. He kept telling them, it wasn't because of anything you did that made me choose you. It wasn't because of how you performed. You weren't righteous at all. And yet I made you my righteous people. And he kept reminding them that he was righteous and he made them righteous so they are his righteous people. Therefore, they should live righteous lives. The same thing, he is love and he loved them with, his, with all that he has. And so they were his loved people meant to love the world on behalf of God. And yet we know they failed as well. And so Jesus was sent God sent Jesus, the Son, the Word incarnate, 
the word made flesh to dwell amongst us and to be for us the perfect expression and display of what God is really like. He came to love like God the Father loves. In fact, John 14, Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father, he says to Jesus. And Jesus says to Philip, how long have I been with you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And in that moment, Jesus made it clear that he was the manifestation of the full glory of God. The Apostle Paul says to the church in Colossae that Jesus is the fullness of deity in bodily form. If you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus Christ. He is the perfect display of what God the Father is like to the world. He also is the perfect Son of God, which means Jesus came to live the life of being not only the display of God the Father's love, but the submission of Uh, obedient one to God the Father's love, that he would obey God in absolutely everything for you and me. The beauty of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ, we have one who was the perfect child so that you and I in Christ can be called perfect children, even though we don't live like it. That's the really good news of the gospel is that in Jesus and by faith in Jesus, we get all the rights of being children of God. John says it this way in John 1, 12 through 13, to all who did receive him, referring to Jesus, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but of the will of man, or not of the will of man, but of God. What John is saying there is, though we once were children of wrath, which Ephesians 2 says, that we had rebelled against God, that we had sinned, and therefore we deserve judgment, We deserve punishment for our sin. Instead, those who received Jesus as the one who lived a perfect life on their behalf, died on the cross for their sin, and rose again on the third day with a a resurrected body to now represent us before God the Father continually. If we receive Jesus, if we believe in his name, which means we believe he did that for us, then we have the right to become children of God. That's amazing. Nothing, not because of anything you've done other than believing in Jesus who did it for you. That's the heart of the gospel. Uh, God is not saying, act like my children, behave like my children, perform like my children, and then I'll call you my children. He's saying, no, while you were enemies, Jesus lived for you, died for you, rose for you, and now intercedes for you before God the Father, praying for you continually so that in Christ you get every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Is that good news? Hopefully right now you're going, say it again. I need to hear it again. You know, Lion King, Mufasa. <sighs> We should just never tire of hearing that. We should, we should always just be amazed that though we have fallen short, that though we were by nature children of wrath, in Christ we are dearly loved children of God. Jesus prays in John 17, which is called the high priestly prayer. It's his longest recorded prayer. At the end of it, he says, Father, I'm praying for those who will believe in me. He's referring to us in the room who've received Jesus, who've believed in his name saying, I'm praying for them that they will know that you love them, that you would love them with, with, with the same love that you love me. 
In other words, what Jesus is fundamentally saying, he's saying, Father, I know you love me. Love them just like you love me. If any of you are wondering, does God love you? He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. It's pretty amazing. Though we fall short, though we rebel, though we walk away, his love never fails. Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And our baptism, which we have the tank open this morning, the reason why is because we had uh, a baseball player who plays for the Detroit Tigers. He's a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. He's part of our church. His name is Matthew Boyd. He asked if he could be baptized before he goes off to spring training, which is in a couple weeks. He couldn't wait till Easter. I said, I'm glad that you're that eager to obey Jesus' command to be baptized. And so he asked if we could specifically do that. So we got to baptize him and a a young girl, Hannah, this morning uh, during our nine o'clock. And by the way, if you have yet to express your faith publicly through baptism, you're welcome to do it today. We have clothes to change into, towel, everything. So after I'm done preaching, if that's something you know that you're supposed to do and obey Jesus that way, please go right out those doors. Someone will help you make, uh, get ready and, and I'll get to help you profess publicly your faith in Jesus. So we want to make sure you have that opportunity. But our, our baptism is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality that we have been united with Christ in his death, Paul says, which means all of our sins, past, present, and future, all the ways we've fallen short of being children of God, living like God the Father would want us to live, every single one of them was forgiven and buried with Christ in his death. Man, I, I love that. This last week, there were, there were a few of those moments where I once again gave in to some of the old nature of who Jeff was and walked in sinful ways. And, and if I didn't know and have confidence that I was united with Christ in his death, then I wouldn't be able to get up here and preach because all the ways I've fallen short would be in my mind, not all the ways Jesus rose up and gave me a new life, right? I mean, I couldn't do this. I'd just be a, a hypocrite, pretending. But I don't have to be that. I can say... I was united with Christ by faith in his death and all my sin has been buried in the grave and there's not a word that gets to come out of the grave against me today. Amen? I mean, the only word that came out of the grave was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I've been united with him in his death. My sins were buried in the grave and I'm united with him in his resurrection, which is what we we demonstrate when we come out of the water, which means all that is true of Jesus in his new resurrection life is true of me. That he, he condemned sin, leaving it in the grave and rose again to new life. And by the spirit, he now helps me to live a new life every day. That's really good news. And if any of you are wondering, is anybody praying for you? If you have received Jesus, believed in his name, then Jesus is praying for you right now before God the Father, continually saying a better word than you or I'd ever deserved. It's just such good news that Jesus is saying, Father, love them like you love me. Apply my righteousness to their account. Remember I died for their sins. Spirit, speak to them. Tell them that their sin doesn't define them anymore, but my righteousness defines them. I mean, I have Jesus doing that for me. You have Jesus doing that for you continually. And so we've been saved by grace, through faith, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, not based on any merit or work of our own. And we've been saved not 
just to, to, to be new, but to have a new identity and a new purpose. Today we're talking about that new identity being that we have been saved to be God's loved family, to show the world the love of God. The text that Autumn read was 1 John 4. I want to read it again and walk through it with you. Beloved, by the way, just notice it says be loved, not be love. In other words, you don't have to try and be love. You are to be loved by God. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone whoever loves has been born of God and knows God and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is Love. God is love. And if you've been born of God, you've been born of the very seed of God. The Holy Spirit has given you new birth, which means you have the very blood, as it were, of God pulsing through your system. We sang that in the song. That idea that we are truly children of God. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're dearly loved ones of God. And if God is love, then we have been loved and we can love changes everything for us. He goes on, in this the love of God was made manifest or revealed, displayed amongst us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God didn't just send the son to forgive us of our sins, but he wanted us to have a new life, new abundant life. And in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins, for our sins. Which, by the way, that word propitiation is payment in full. That he paid the full debt for your sin. So that it would never get to come up against you again. And God will not bring some kind of charge against you. Because of the way you've fallen short. Because in Christ, your payment has been paid in full. Do you want to know how much God loves you? Do you want to know what the love of God looks like for you? Look at the sun. Look at the display of God's love for you in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And be, let's be really clear. God didn't choose to love you because you were lovable. Okay? He wasn't looking around the planet going, okay, I need to find uh, the most well-behaved put together people who will be a really amazing display of what I'm like. No, he looked around and he said, who needs me to change them? Who needs me to make them lovable? Because they're not. They're not very loving. They're not very kind. They don't have their lives put together. They might even describe themselves as a bit of a mess at times. God God, God wasn't picking the all-star team. He wasn't getting the Patriots, to be clear. He was getting the Browns. Okay? Sorry if you're a Browns fan. And I pity you if you're a Patriots fan. Sorry, I'm going to keep moving forward. I've got a message to preach. But what I want you to understand is God is, if, if you're here this morning going, I'm amazing, isn't God glad to have me? Then you've misunderstood the gospel. If you, if you say, I was a mess and God came and changed my life and he poured his love out through his son and now by his spirit he's filling me with his own love and the reason why I am the person I am today is because of the love of God. 
And I can't get, take credit for it. I can't acknowledge that I did it. He did it. He changed me and he's changing me. And if you're in the room going, I think I need that change. I think I need that love. I think I need someone to change me from the inside out because I don't, if I'm honest, I'm not very loving. And I want to I tell you, you're the perfect candidate for the love of God. Jesus did not come into the world for those who think they don't need him. He came into the world for those who know they need him and who want his love, not only so they can know the love of God, but so they can love with the love of God. And if we know this, if we've experienced it, if we become acquainted with it on a daily basis, the more that we come to know the love of God for us in Christ Jesus, the more we want to love other people with the love that we've been loved with. That's why he goes on, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. See, what John wants us to know is that we love because we've been greatly loved and we love to show the greatness of his love. See, God loved you to make you loving. He, he loved you to be a container of his love. He wanted to pour out his love into your heart. Romans 5, 5 says that it's by his spirit that he pours his love into our hearts. And he does that so that we might not only have the love of God, but we might give the love of God. We might be able to love others with what we've been loved with. That the very nature of God's love for us would change the very nature of how we love other people. In fact, I would encourage you just to stop and look at your love and say, is it lacking? Is it in need of God's love? Something that needs to change in you so that you might love like he loves. And it's our love for others that shows the world what God's love is like. Jesus is the full display of the Father's love. We'll, we'll never have to come up with a better one. But as you come to know his love for you, he not only becomes the motivation for how you love other people, but very, the very means for how you love them because you love them with his love. And, and John says here that if we love one another, then God abides in us. What, what he's saying there is the very nature of you being able to love other people is because God by his spirit is in you. Loving other people through you. And then he goes on to say, not only is God abiding in you as you love other people, but he's perfecting that love through your life as you love other people. In other words, as you step out to love people, you need the love of God to love people. And the love of God gets perfected in you as you step out to love people with God's love. Does that make sense? Think of it this way. Some of you know the story of Peter... Jesus walking on the water, they're in the boat, and he says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And then Jesus says, yep, come on. And he steps out of the boat, eyes fixed on Jesus. Can you just imagine that very first step? That would have been incredible, like, I am on the water. And he starts walking. I'm not gonna keep going, don't worry. And as long as his eyes are fixed on Jesus, He's, he's living a supernatural life. And he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink. The writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. 
What John is saying is, abide in the one who is love and as you abide in him and he in you and you step out and love other people, he's not only abiding you, but he'll perfect your love. In other words, as you step out of the boat of selfishness and fear and insecurity and you step onto the waters of the risk of somebody rejecting you or not, not responding the way you'd hoped. And you say, I just want to love people. I want to love because I've been loved. I want to love with the love with which I've been loved. I want to love in the way God loved me. And, and I'm going to step out of the boat of lo- uh, uh, to love. And as I step out, not only will God, as I fix my eyes on Jesus, go, I will pour my love into your heart, but he'll perfect that love. It'll be as if you're walking in supernatural step with the Holy Spirit as the Spirit pours out the love of God for you to love other people with. In fact, I would offer to you that there are people in your life right now that you know you can't love. And God's going, that's the storm I threw you in. So you would learn how to walk and step with my spirit and let me pour out my spirit and love in your heart so you can love other people in a way that you could never love apart from me. That's the the life he has, family, for us. He wants us to be so attached to Jesus Christ as our head, as the head of the body, the head of the church, that we'd be walking in step with what he does and what he says and the spirit would would pour out the love of the Father into our hearts and we would look around us and go, oh, no wonder I have so many people that are hard to love because he wants me to grow in love. And the only way I grow in love is if I step out in obedience to him when he says, love your neighbor Go over there across the street and knock on the door and invite them over for dinner this Friday night. You go, yeah, but what if they reject me? Step out of the boat. As you step out in love, God abides in you. You say, God, I can't do this without you. And as you go across the street, you knock on the door, give me a love that's of another kind. Even if they reject me, I know I'm loved by you. Nothing changes that. And so I'm, I'm rested in love. I don't need to go love them to make up. I don't need to go love them to get love. I've already got all the love I could ever hope for in you. So I'm rich in love. And now I'm rich in love. And therefore, because I'm so rich, I'm giving it away. Because you're just going to keep pouring it in as I step out and give it away. Let me just stop and ask you right now, as I was giving that illustration, it may be your neighbor, it may be a coworker, it may be a family, friend, who knows, a dorm mate. Who in your life right now is God telling you to step out into love? to step out and love with the love of God. Jesus, after he washed his disciples' feet in John 13, 34 through 35, said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Family, you want to know the the distinguishing characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ? Love. That's it. There's lots of other things. When Jesus had the opportunity to summarize it all, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets all hang on those two. Paul, when he said, this is the goal of my preaching, this is the goal of my teaching, love. That was it. At the end of the day, God's not wanting more religious people. He's not wanting more busy people. He's not wanting people who just do spiritual disciplines for the sake of doing them. He wants people who know his love and who love with his love. At the end of the day, 
Because that's how the world's gonna know we're his disciples. Can I ask you, does the world need to see something different right now? You could say amen to that one. Right now, they need to see a people who are willing to die to themselves and stop thinking so highly of themselves and start humbling themselves and loving their neighbor as themselves and loving one another the way God the, the, the Father has loved us through God the Son by pouring out his love in our hearts through God the Spirit. Like That's what they need to see. They're watching, they're looking, they're wanting love in all the wrong places and we have the God who is love. We have the very source of love. I loved hearing the story of Kirk and Deb. I mean, what a great picture of the love of God. Amen? And they're not the only ones. Man, I could tell story after story after story of people paying each other's medical bills, of people caring for their children while they try to care for a new foster child. I've I've seen others who've opened up their homes so people could come stay with them for a period of time while they needed a place to live. I mean, I've seen so much good stuff happening in this family. So I just want to say amen and kudos to what God's doing in this, this church. Don't, I mean, it's, it's good. It's very good. You should be encouraged. And yet we have a long way to go. My missional community, some of you might have heard Jennifer Pelour share how when Steve ended up in the hospital, her husband, for a while, uh, they were in the middle of a big remodeling project and Charlie Apel especially helped, he's in our missional community, help lead us finishing the, uh, sanding the floors, refinishing the floors, putting up drywall, painting walls. I was in there one day working, uh, drilling a hole in the ceiling to, to hang new lights over their nice soapstone centerpiece in the kitchen, uh, like butcher block type thing. And while I was doing it, the drill caught and we didn't cover the soapstone. And so it went and I just went, ah! I started yelling. And Jennifer comes running upstairs. What did you do? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll pay for the whole thing. I know it needs to be replaced. And so she thought it was cracked in two. And she comes up, she goes, oh, it's just that. That's no big deal, Jeff. Like all the other guys have left their mark in some other way in our house. <laughs> she wanted to describe like when they were sanding, someone put stain down and they stepped on it. So there's a footprint in one spot and... And there's another broken piece of frame and another. And then now I've got, if you go to their house, and you'll just thank God for me uh, as you see the little dent in the soapstone. And, and yet, she stood up the other day and said, we felt like this was our family. While Steve was in the hospital, a bunch of us guys went to the house that morning and prayed with the kids before they went to school. Zeke, their son, was just in tears. And he said he felt like he had some other dads that came and were like fathers to him in those moments. And I'm not trying to brag on our community, I'm just, well, I am, kind of. <laughs> I'm trying to brag on God. Because when you really get to know the love of God, that's not a big deal anymore. It's nothing, in fact. The ways in which we love each other are so small in comparison to the way he loved us in Christ. And so, family, I want to encourage us and implore us love one another like family. Now, I want to be clear. That doesn't mean we treat everybody exactly the same. You can ask my kids. I don't do that with them. They're each different and unique, and we all have different needs. And it's not some kind of strange commune. We all have to, like, live together in the same house and go on dates together with everybody. Like, 
Everybody's always got to be included on absolutely everything we ever do. Like, please don't, some of you might wrongly apply this. In fact, some of you might be in this church going, oh man, I want to be a part of this church because it'll all be about me now. And I want to encourage you, that's not what we're after. We're after being all about Jesus and loving people uniquely in accordance to their needs, treating each other like brothers and sisters, which sometimes leaves marks. Sometimes we wound each other and we need to forgive and help each other. So I want to just go through Romans 12 as a kind of a way for you to think through how are we loving like family? What would it look like in our missional community? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, hopefully this encourages you as the type of life that God calls his people to and maybe is calling you to as well today. Romans 12. Let love be without hypocrisy, verse nine. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. What if we love like that? Let's outdo one another in showing honor. If we're going to be competitive, let's be competitive in, in honoring each other. That sounds like a good competition. Who can honor each other the most? <laughs> in other words, you can make it about somebody else and not just about us. And to live in honoring ways and to really love one another well. I was so blessed by my two daughters, Haley and, and Maggie, as we dropped off our middle child, Caleb, uh, camp Friday. He went away for the weekend at a camp at, called Lakeside Bible Camp. And, and uh, I just watched my daughters love their brothers so well. And, you know, I, we're there, the, the, the cabin leader's there, but Caleb's buddy, Bo, hasn't showed up yet, his friend from Tacoma. And I'm like, hey, we can get going, right? And my daughter's like, no, 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 his friend's not here yet. We're not leaving until Bo shows up. And I'm like, you guys are better lovers than me. I'm kind of an idiot half the time. <laughs> Not even paying attention. I'm like, I want to get the ferry and get home, right? And they're like, we want to love our brother. And I was so proud of them. And on the way home, they said, we love Caleb. And they just talked about how special their brother was. And then uh, mom and Maggie went out last night. Maggie said, I want to go shopping because I want, I want Caleb to get a care package when he gets home. I'm like, he's only been gone like a day or two. It's like, not, not like he went that long. I didn't say that, but you know, this Jeff still needs to grow in love, okay? <laughs> and she, go, she went out and spent her own money that she saved up and made this little care package box with nice notes and all of his favorite candy. And, and it says, welcome home, Caleb, and it's on his bed. And I was like, how come I don't get that when I travel? <laughs> Jeff, outdo one another in honor. Your daughters are outdoing you right now. And I just sat back and thought, man, I'm so thankful my daughters are learning how to love well. And that's what I want for us. I want us to be intentional, full of zeal to love one another in these ways. In fact, that's what he goes on to say in verse 11. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. What if we were as intentional about loving one another as family as we are our financial planning for our future? What if we put as much time in to how we might love one another as we do our workouts, those of you who are physically fit? Tim would say, Jeff, you haven't done a good job of that lately. I know we're getting back to it. It's coming. What if... As much as we plan our diets to be healthy people, we were to be that intentional about our diet of loving people. What if the way that we work hard at our jobs so that we might do well in our careers 
What if that same kind of energy and focus was applied to how we are fervent in zeal for loving one another? And remember, your love for one another is an act of service to Jesus. That's what he says there. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. The way you do this, you're saying, Jesus, because you did this, I do this for you. Holy Spirit, help me to do that. Change my heart to want to do that. Give me the love to be able to do that. Be fervent in the spirit. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. There's a lot there. You might even want to go back and read and say, God, as I think about my missional community, as I think about the people in my life, how would you like me to apply that? How do you want me to rejoice and hope for them? How do you want me to be patient when it doesn't go well between us? How do you want me to persist in prayer for them? How do you want me to share with them in their needs and open up my life and my home in hospitality? I love the fact that so many people have opened up their lives and homes here, but we need to continue to say, God, who else might need to be welcomed in like you welcomed us in? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. The reality is, by the way, if you get in community, if you get in a missional community here, you're gonna be prone to want to curse someday. I'm not, I'm not lying, okay? So you go like, no, ours is amazing. Just wait. <laughs> it's coming. You're gonna have a bad season. You're gonna go through something where someone hurts you or sins against you because if you live life in that kind of community long enough, eventually you're gonna have to heed these words. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And that's what we heard Kirk and Deb talking about. They have a community that entered into the weeping. They mourn together. That's a beautiful gift to have people that will go through hard times and not just wash over it with a happy statement, but will say, we're willing to mourn with you. And we're willing to rejoice with you. And then live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Family, a whole lot would change in our lives if we would grow in humility. Considering others more important than ourselves. Not thinking of ourselves more often than we ought. I'm not saying we don't do good, healthy self-care. I'm in a season where God's having me work on some things in my own life and heart. He's been gracious to me in that. But I could become overly myopic to the detriment of my soul if I make it all about me. And let's be honest, the problems we're seeing in our country are not due to humble people. It's due to pride. That's what we're seeing all over the place. And so let's be a people who love in humble ways to call people to our humble savior who loved in a humble way by laying down his life for us. And he ends, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, pos- so, so far as it depends on you, which is another way of saying you're gonna need a lot of help because God's gonna have to work in the hearts of other people He's gonna have to work in in your heart. So how do we do this? You start by saying, I've fallen short. I don't love like Jesus the son loved. And therefore I need Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. And I need his help. And so not only do you know that he did it for you, but then you say, will you not only forgive me, but will you do it in me? 
and will you do it through me? So the good news is everything I just read, Jesus perfectly fulfilled. He outdid all of us in showing honor because at the cross, instead of crying out for cursing, he blessed and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And instead of making us pay what we rightfully should have, he paid when he should have never. That's the love of God for you and me. And you'll never love other people until you get to know that love yourself. Not love in a way that looks like God. So I don't know about you, but this last week was evidence. I need a savior. I need one who loved enough to give his life for me. I need one who will love enough to give his life in me. And I need one who loves enough to give his life through me. Because there's a lot of people in my life I can't love apart from Jesus. Amen? Let's learn how to love like family in new ways this year. Can you do that with me? All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you, the God who is love, and we pray that you would make us a people of love. We know you already gave us new birth through the Spirit, and therefore we have every ability to be loving because of you, but we need you to keep working in us, remind us of what you've done, remind us of who we are, showing us how to live in new ways. God, I I thank you for your grace in my own life, in our church's life. Thank you for the stories we could tell. We could have spent, like Kirk said, the whole message could have just been rehearsing all the ways you've already done this here. And we wanna keep doing that. Show us how to, to rejoice in your love and to tell the story of your love amongst us. And Lord, we pray that the world would take notice that you are the God who is loved this year through us, your people. Give us the grace to do it in Jesus' name, amen.